0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is March the 3rd, 2023. Um, It's a Friday, and if it's a Friday, it must be that was the week. With my old friend, Keith Teer, not so old. Not older than me, of course, but we won't talk about that. Um, last week, uh, our focus was a relative amount of normalization when it came to tech, I think. We talked about Section 230, an AI bubble, China-Saudi axis. Uh, seemed as if things were coming back to normal after a few weeks of hyper-exuberance and pessimism. But it seems as if we're back to at least hyper Pessimism. We are back in the apocalypse with A Venture Apocalypse this week with Keith, although your, uh, your Substack newsletter, Keith, um, asks the question, are we in A Venture Apocalypse or are you being your normal ironic self?
1: Well, two, uh, two of the writers that I include this week think we are. One is uh, Chamath uh, from Social Capital and the other is Elad Gill, and they're both very respectable commentators about venture capital, and they both make the same point. And the point they make is companies that raised money in 2021 will be running out of money in late 2023, a little bit later maybe. Chamath draws the conclusion that uh, later stage venture-backed companies will not recover their valuations for about three years. And Elad basically recommends people should close their companies down rather than just run out of money. Uh, he, he's really ringing the bell and saying, <clears throat> just stop, close it down, because um, uh, th- 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 this is a really bad period. And they they both kind of quantify what this means. And you know, the, the amount of money raised in 2021 is hundreds of billions of dollars. So we're talking about a very large set of assets that are that are vulnerable to being destroyed basically are
0: you uh, have you taken their advice keith have you shut signal rank down
1: no no we didn't raise money in 2021 we raised money in 2022 so it's interesting how whether why that makes a difference but it doesn't yeah
0: make- there was an interesting piece actually which wasn't in the newsletter which caught my attention on um, the information about clubhouse uh, a couple of years ago we always talked about clubhouse we haven't talked about it for months if not years it's a, a site that's probably a, a a ghost town they raised 300 million or they have 300 million and the piece said that even though everyone's left they still got money but if you're like clubhouse and clearly there's no place for clubhouse in today's um media ecosystem do, should you just give the money back to the investors or should you reinvent yourself and turn yourself perhaps into an AI clubhouse?
1: There's no right answer to that question. I don't know if you will remember that Twitter used to be a podcasting platform called Odeo. And um, they decided to close Odeo down, but they offered people to take the money back or let them keep it. Most people let them keep it and they turned it into Twitter. So if if the management team at Clubhouse believes there's still a business there, they should go forward. If they believe that they're just burning money and they're, they're not making a difference, they probably should give it back or pivot to something else uh, with their investor's consent. But what they shouldn't do, and this is the advice from Eli Gill, is knowing that it isn't gonna work, just keep paying themselves to go through the, you know, the motions. Um, well, that's if-
0: not, I mean, that might make sense to certain types of people but for, for an entrepreneur, that's insane just to pay yourself a wage. So in two years, you have to look for another job. That would be a, a form of, at least from an entrepreneurial point of view, you're you're shooting yourself in the foot, aren't you?
1: Yeah, and uh, but you know, people you can get delusional as well. You can persuade yourself something is going to work out when it isn't. I've I've done that. I remember my uh, my company just on me, uh, Vinod Kosler and keith Raboy and uh, another colleague of theirs who, whose name is escaping me basically said to me look uh we're not going to put more money and should close this thing down i wasn't there yet because it was it wasn't doing bad enough for me to draw that conclusion it was doing quite well uh the competitor at the time was path and i think we were growing and they were shrinking so i, I was still engaged so that you could characterize that as delusional but, uh, you've been
0: around. You, you mentioned Twitter. Um, some people think this week, Keith, Twitter is dying. Uh, Jemima Kelly, I don't think I don't think you've got this in the newsletter either. But she believes that Twitter is dying a slow and tedious death. I think she's probably right. And then your friends at Substack ask, "What comes after social media? Are we?" And I've asked you this before. When you put all these pieces together, are we at the end of a social media age?
1: No. No, because social media is just another word for human interaction when there's technology. We'll, we'll never be at the end of a social media age.
0: Yeah, but we know, but you're, now you're being purposefully uh, obscure. I mean, we never talked about social media age when someone invented the telephone. If you have that broad definition, then the telephone's a form of social media.
1: Yeah, but. I think if you said, and we know I, what
0: we're talking about. Social media. We're talking about the period from about two thousand and what two or three, with uh, with MySpace and then Facebook and Twitter till today. So it's been about twenty years.
1: Yeah, but it, it, it's not going away. It, I mean, new apps will, will come about. Um, new humans will find new ways of engaging with each other and sharing things and learning from each other. The actual companies w- may go through even even death. Uh, I don't agree that Twitter is dying. I think Twitter is being reborn myself um, as, as a better thing. But that-
0: well, that's because you you're a big admirer of Elon Musk. I don't see. I, I don't particularly like him. I'm not a, a, an obsessive hater, but I, I, I don't get the sense that anyone really cares enough about it, one way or the other.
1: No, they do. They do. I mean, the numbers tell you they do. And and do you know who cares the most? Journalists, because it's where they publish. Exactly. So it's
0: obscure. It's journalists talking to themselves. And uh, I I just uh, don't see a future for Twitter. But that's another issue. Maybe we'll talk about that another week. So you don't believe Twitter's dying?
1: No, I don't think Twitter's dying. I don't think Facebook is dying. I don't think Google. Well, no one's
0: claiming that Facebook's dying or Google and Google isn't a social media company anyway.
1: Yeah, they were claiming that uh, Facebook was dying a little while ago during the the All right. Well, we talked
0: about that, and one of your pieces in today's uh, in this in this week's newsletter is a, a letter from Neil, from um, the new uh, head of of YouTube, um, Neil Mohan. What 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 do you think uh, it's about? His twenty twenty three priorities or YouTube's um, are YouTube? Do you think trying to reinvent themselves or are they still cresting the wave of shared videos
1: well they're they're definitely the the place to publish a video live or or otherwise we're we're live on youtube right now for example um but are we oh yeah we're uh, well unless we're everywhere got,
0: keith though aren't we we're ubiquitous
1: we're, bi- we're ubiquitous so you know to answer your question
0: ridiculous we're ubiquitous and ridiculous
1: <laughs> we are I think I'm just going to let you interrupt. Go on, what's your next interruption?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't resist that because I wasn't sure. I I, I don't think you knew whether you were going to
1: say ubiquitous or ridiculous. Um, No, look, YouTube is is massive and big and it's not going away. And Google makes a lot of money from it. However, it has competition and especially young people are finding new ways to engage with video, TikTok being the obvious example, despite various attempts to stop it. TikTok is thriving. So what Neil is writing in this letter is really a commitment to modernizing YouTube, to include stories, to include AI uh, where, where relevant, especially for creative things like editing or, or subtitles, for example. So I think it's just a, a statement of um, uh, continuing success with modernization. It's a bit boring, to be honest. Uh, I guess he has to say something. There's nothing groundbreaking there. It's just keep on keeping on. And, and 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 I think they will. YouTube is, is, you know, for young people, a massive time sink because they feel as if they, they, they engage with what they want. There. Uh, my kids do. And, and yeah,
0: my daughter, I don't know about my son, but they, they spent hours. It's probably uh, maybe a, not for this show but not particularly healthy last week keith um we we talked a lot about section 230 it hasn't gone away you have a couple of pieces uh one from the markup by uh nabia siad uh, on section 230 as a load-bearing wall and is it coming down not quite sure what that means and then another from the washington post about biden joe biden finding that breaking up big tech is is harder than he thought um what have been the um, the aftershocks of the Section 230 stuff from last week?
1: Well, it, it's still unsettled. The way the Supreme Court works is they listen to a case and then they discuss and they report their findings, often months later. So we don't know what the findings are going to be yet. The pieces in this week's newsletter I thought were super interesting, especially the first one you mentioned because it goes into the history of why Section 230 came about in the first place. And uh, it makes the case, which I'd never really understood this. This isn't how I perceived it, but I I actually think uh, that it's correct, that Section 230 first was brought about to encourage platforms to to, uh, editorialize, to cut stuff out that they didn't like. Um, and, uh, and uh, on well, the, that's the, that, the
0: Google talking point, I'm not sure whether the Google people have uh, got into uh, Nabia Siad's head. I know that's that that was their defense. so
1: yeah. well well, see, my perception was that, and this is uh, when I was an ISP, that section two thirty was telling me I'm not responsible for what other people do. What this article says is, yes, that's true. And that remains true, even if you take responsibility on occasion. That doesn't mean you have to always take responsibility. So it was. So apparently it was to encourage uh, what has happened, in fact, which is all the social media platforms turned into censors, and in the very recent period, woke censors. Um, you know, kind of guardians of police guardians of thought, in a way. Um, and, and, and uh, now and I know Twitter.
0: why you think Twitter hasn't died, because it's not woke. But
1: well, it's definitely not woke un, under Elon's uh, leadership, but it, it doesn't mean it's perfect. He, he has his own issues.
0: <laughs> yeah, he said some. I think we can leave him out of it. You didn't have any links with some of the nonsense he's been talking this week. What about um, what about uh, Biden and breaking up? Yeah. Big tech? That's, of course, back to your friends at the FCC. Yeah,
1: I don't know if you've got it, but there's another article which talks about the FTC giving up on stopping Facebook making an acquisition. Yeah,
0: I've got that one too. Um, FTC yeah. drops the bid to block Meta's acquisition of, of within. Right.
1: Well, if you read the quote in there, it's all about how what a bad time Nina Khan is having.
0: And yeah, well, you must be this. I know you're a big fan of Nina Khan.
1: Yeah, we, 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 we know that I'm a great fan of her postgraduate paper.
0: <laughs> um, so is this, yeah, I mean, Biden doesn't have much long, much more time in his, in his uh, presidency, at least the first term. Is this the end, do you think, of any serious attempt to rein in big tech?
1: Yes, I think it is the end. Uh, I, I mean, apart from in Europe, where Europe is damaging itself, by over-regulating big tech, um, it, 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 you know, I mean, the, the the extreme to me is forcing Apple to put a USB-C power connector instead of a Lightning connector on the next iPhone. Which, you know, why do, why does anyone care? I mean, it, it just seems bizarre to me. Um, so I think Europe is is a bit of a renegade in this area, and money will run away from Europe the more it regulates.
0: It's interesting. Thinking out loud, Musk's acquisition of Twitter is actually bad news for for the MAGA crowd who claim that all social media is woke because clearly it isn't anymore.
1: Correct. They can't they can't claim bias, but you know the truth is I, I watch MSNBC a lot. Um, I can barely watch it anymore because it is so partisan. I, I wouldn't use the word biased, but it has a political point of view. It, it, it mostly isn't news it's op-ed and have you op-ed become a
0: fox news person yet keith you sounds like you're on the road to it
1: i can't watch that either For the, the it's the i same. can't
0: watch cnn i can't watch any of it actually that's why yeah. that's yeah. why we're doing now.tv because all of all of conventional television is redundant well we've Done 10 minutes, Keith, and we haven't even talked about AI, but that remains the main story. Uh, You have a really interesting piece from Gary Marcus, one of the world's leading authorities and skeptics on AI. He asks uh, he co-authored it with uh, Michelle Garner, he asked whether it's time to hit the pause button. What do you think?
1: Uh, Well, I, I think of that as basically being cancel culture on the machine. It's like, this machine can say bad things, so let's stop it. I, 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 I don't agree with it. I understand I understand why they say it, and I think that Gary uh, and others like him are genuine in their belief that the human race is so gullible that a machine saying bad things might poison uh, the, the, the mindset of the populace. So I understand that that's what they think. I don't agree with that. I think... We're totally capable of understanding the nuances of what a machine says. I also think it's misunderstanding chat GPT's usefulness. You know, you wouldn't employ chat GPT as an analyst on politics or racism or sexism or homophobia or or transphobia or any of them, because that isn't what it's good at. And if you play with it in those areas, it's going to be wacky. But it's super good at being a research assistant. It's super good.
0: Right. So how big a deal? A couple of interesting pieces you've got. One from uh, Sam Altman, who believes that open AI, or AI in general, and he, of course, is the CEO of open AI, so he understands it as well as anyone. He believes it can break capitalism. And then an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal by Henry Kissinger and Eric Schmidt, and they co-author of a book about AI, in which ChatGPT heralds an intellectual revolution. Is this for real? Is it really as profound as some of these people are suggesting?
1: Um, Yes and no. It it is profound because it's gonna bring something to play that none of us have ever had, which is uh, uh, an unlimited research assistant sat on our computer available to be asked questions or help with a goal anytime we want. And have a reasonably good chance that it will do a good job. That that's revolutionary. I mean, it just is fantastic. As a but isn't anchor.
0: that just a sort of audio version of the Google search engine?
1: No, it's it's better than that because the Google search engine will give you keyword matches on anything. It it, it can't really answer a question or have a or tell you uh, in a narrative way, uh, um, a, you know a set of facts or. Or, or, or um, opinions, so it's very different. It's more like having a human being sat there. Now we human beings are flawed. You know, if you, if you ask me to describe uh, the the you know the laws of physics, uh, I'll do a really bad job. Whereas if you you ask-
0: never do a bad job, Keith. And and the thing with AIs is at least they're not like me. They don't interrupt all the time.
1: Exactly. But it is it it, it is like having a person. In fact, it's like having all people. It's like you you, you can have the whole human race sat on your desk answering questions. And depending on the question, it will become somebody capable of answering. Whereas I can only answer questions about things I'm an expert at. So it's better better than a human being. It isn't more intelligent than a human being because it isn't thinking, but it is able to gather information, facts, whatever you need based on your question and put them in front of you almost no matter what the subject is. And that's
0: the intellectual revolution that Kissinger and Schmidt talk about. I wonder whether the the first wave of people to be really impacted by this are writers because this is manifested at least in its first version in text. And most journalists, I mean, we've heard this one before but it seems to me as if most journalists and writers and copywriters, they're all going to be made redundant, because most of them aren't very good. And unless you're the very, very top of your profession, I don't see how you survive against this.
1: Well, I I, I definitely think we humans will want as much human-written stuff as possible with with as much creativity and out-of-the-box thinking as possible. And ChatGPT won't give us that. So I think you're right, but I don't think it's I yeah, don't but we, we're... when you
0: speak on behalf of we humans, I mean, we humans, to borrow your language, aren't very original, are usually incredibly boring. I mean, remember when you sit down next to someone on an aeroplane, how boring they usually are?
1: Most, most people are boring. Most people have never had an original thought in their life. I'm talking really about the writers that might get displaced. And what I'm really saying is the really good ones that we love will not be displaced because the... Because chat GPT c- will not be able to be as good as them. But Who like? But- right. Give
0: me an example of someone and you say we love. Who, who would be an example?
1: You know, like yesterday I mentioned to my wife this novel, which you'll be familiar with as a, as a uh, Englishman, is uh, The Ragged Trousered Philanthropist. Have you heard of it? I have heard of it. I don't know. Who, who's the author? The author is a painter and decorator from, I think, the 1930s, but I can't quite remember the date when he wrote, um, who wrote a novel of, that was really all about the people in his life. It was a novel about the working class. It's a fantastic novel. And, and it sits alongside Orwell, for example. As a, right.
0: We, I did a show, a keen on show with a guy who used to run um, one of the big publishing houses, Doubleday in New York. Uh, Stephen Rubin. And I asked him the same question. He came up with a novel, but he acknowledged that 80% of stuff can be replicated by AI. 80% of the stuff doesn't work, isn't very good. When it comes to journalism, especially tech journalism, how many tech journalists can survive this?
1: No, I I think if ChatGPT was given the Reuters newsfeed and told to select articles and summarize them, it could do a great job at that.
0: And the other sort of, I, I don't know whether it's a an irony, or eerily coincidental, uncannily coincidental, is uh, we, we, when y- you or I turn on MSNBC or Fox News or CNN. We know exactly what they're going to say. We don't even. So I don't see how or why AI on any of the television platforms makes any difference. It's it's basically already programmed to be yeah. to to, well, to, to I, I... tell you what you already know and what you already think.
1: Yeah, well, you, you've already seen that phenomenon of people saying, I asked ChatGPT something, and here's what it said. They're doing that on TV. They're doing that on radio. The debate I did with Gary Marcus on um, on Intelligence Squared, the the moderator did that. So, yeah. so ChatGPT is being invited into the media as a participant already. Um, the, the question is, will it replace... Anybody? I think the answer is yes. Copywriters would be my top guess, to be honest. And yeah. a, a copy editors. Um, it's great at summaries. Uh, the, uh, one of the articles in this week is the, the Baccalaureate has accepted Chat GPT uh, 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 as a tool for students to write essays. Yeah. And, and it's announced that uh, it's gonna, it's going to grade the students not on their essay writing ability but on their ability to critique the chat GPT essay.
0: Yeah, it's, it's I have to say it's easy to be dark about it, but it, I, it's also a lot of fun. Meanwhile, in the real economy, lots of news. Snapchat's integrating chat GPT, according to one of the pieces in your newsletter. Um, and then there's another piece on winners and losers in this race to add AI. What, what's happening on the ground, Keith? I mean, we can talk in broad terms like Henry Kissinger or, or, um, or, or Schmidt, but, but what's happening on the ground this week? Uh,
1: the biggest thing on the ground is that uh, OpenAI, the, the parent company, announced uh, that they now have a, uh, an API for ChatGPT, which they'll charge for. Uh, and it's open to any developer to integrate it. So Snapchat was, yeah. one, was already That's doing tech
0: that. OpenAI launches an API for ChatGPT. So everyone now can develop it.
1: And, and, and basically the same tech is being put into a range of different user interfaces. I'm pretty sure Excel will have it soon. I, I was able to build an Excel macro to run code using ChatGPT this week. I think every app you can think of will have it built in and it will be able to do things specific to the needs of that app. Um, how,
0: uh, how much of a lead, I mean, Microsoft always gets bashed around, but how much of a lead will they have in terms of Google coming up with their own nuclear weapon on this? I mean, we know that's imminent.
1: Yeah, too. I don't think they have a technological lead. Um, I think OpenAI and Microsoft have... Uh, a time lead of getting the tools into the hands of developers and having developers be able to build stuff. Google's tech, I'm pretty sure, is as good and maybe even better, but as yet to be released in a way that can be properly consumed or, or used. That's obviously coming. Uh, I'd say a year from now, you know, not having a chat uh, AI inside an app will be pretty much the same as not having... You know, a file menu with a pull down inside an app. It's right, going to be or a
0: comment section on a on a content website. Yeah,
1: it'll it, it'll basically be everywhere, and then it comes down to human use and and what we how we think of it and what we use it for, uh, how transparent we are about that, all, all kinds of stuff. The one thing I'm pretty sure we will not do is rely on it for facts or opinions.
0: Well, you even managed to find it for Video of the Week. This is one of your new features on the website. What's your Video of the Week with, a, with an AI focus?
1: It, it's a video from Forbes um, looking at uh, why uh, AI is going to change our lives and reset everything. I like that phrase, reset everything, because we already do a lot of things. The, the ways we're going to do those things is going to change. And that, that's the reset. So the video is, um, it's a pretty professional, you know, narrated video with lots of participants that just makes the case for the impact this is going to have. I thought it was well worth watching because it's its one of those basic videos that especially someone new to the field would learn a lot from.
0: And uh, meanwhile, that was a video of the week. What about startup of the week, Keith?
1: Yeah, my startup of, this, of the week this week is self-serving. So... Very
0: self. It, you're always self-serving, but shamefully self-serving. Shamefully
1: self-serving. A, apologies to Steve Gilmore. who hates it when I do this, and I don't do it in the spirit of.
0: Why are you apologising to? Why are you apologising to Steve? Steve Gilmore.
1: I must be guilty. It's, it's the the Jewish side of me. Um, uh, he's always telling me off if I promote anything that I'm doing, and uh, this is a this is promotional, but it's also real. Uh, the the startup of the week is. Evolution IQ. It's a great startup. And the reason I made it Startup of the Week is because it, um, it, 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 it's fo- firstly what it does, it's focused on people with disabilities getting back to work, and it gives them all the tools they need for that to be possible. Um, and um, it secondly, uh, it joined the SignalRank Index, which is basically what happens when our, uh, the SignalRank AI Gives a third signal to a company that it's already given two signals to and says this, this company has a 30% chance of becoming a unicorn is really what it's saying uh, This was one of the entrants to the signal rank index this week So I chose to highlight it and use signal ranks uh, tweet to uh, testimonialize that event
0: you sound a bit guilty, Keith. You know you're over promoting SignalRank, but I'll let you do it. I'm not Steve Gilmore. I'm not a censorist, and I'm not your mother. So, <laughs> you like.
1: uh, Steve's Meanwhile, a good one. Meanwhile, the
0: uh, tweet of the week, always my favorite favorite feature of your newsletter, is, is a particularly amusing one. Uh, sort of Dostoevsky and or Nietzschean. What is it uh, exactly?
1: This is Mike Solana, who has gotten into a huge fight this week. I mean, he's a big
0: deal. Uh, he's got—I didn't—I never heard of him, but he's got two hundred and twelve thousand followers on Twitter. Not that Twitter—we've heard Twitter might be dying, so that may not tell us very much. And apparently, he's a media billionaire, media tycoon, and former
1: mayor of San Francisco. Is that true? I have no idea. I have no idea if that's true. It, it, I think it's, it's wishful it thinking
0: on Mike Solana's. If he was a really immediate tycoon, he wouldn't be wasting his time on Twitter. But anyway, what does
1: he say? So Mike Mike picked a fight this week with Gary, Gary Marcus around whether everyone
0: chat- picks a fight with Gary Marcus. That's what he exists for, I think.
1: Yeah. So as part of the fun, because Gary accuses Chat GPT of spewing filth, uh, Mike <laughs> typed into Microsoft Word, murder is good, actually. And his tweet is holy shit, I just typed this into a word processor and it straight up allowed me to do it. Murder is not actually good, you guys. Oh my God, we're not ready for the future. So uh, basically blaming Microsoft Word for what he typed is uh, his equivalent of what Gary does with ChatGPT. And I thought it was super funny.
0: I don't understand the, connect- the connection because, because ChatGPT might, Suggest that murder is good or suggest what's the moral dimension of Chat GPT that, that Gary will, is
1: worried well, about? Well, it, just like Microsoft Word, it doesn't have any morals. If you type something into it, it will take it in good faith and reply. Um, and in case of Microsoft Word, it will let you type it in and it doesn't reply. But it's basically they're both canvases. In the case of Chat GPT, it can respond to what you type in. So Solana's point is Gary Marcus is prompting it to say bad things and so it does and who's to blame chat GPT or Gary.
0: So what are you going to do this week Keith in the venture apocalypse have all the buildings in Palo Alto collapsed.
1: They, well I, I'm I am going to watch Manchester United beat Liverpool at Anfield I think on Sunday
0: and what if they don't
1: then they don't and that the 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 pain of the last five years will return briefly.
0: Well, I'm going to London next week to watch uh, Tottenham's final game in the Champions League for about 30 years. (laughs) Home to Milan and then home to Nottingham Forest. So we may have to rearrange for next week, but we will see you all one way or the other in a week. Have a great week, everyone. And Keith, don't self-promote too much, or if you do, do it on Steve Gilmore's show.
1: Very good. I will. Thank you. Bye.